1: Welcome back to another episode of It's Cavalier Podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac, bringing you the latest and greatest in Cavalier news from my unique perspective. Today, I'm joined by none other than Dan Galinsky and Amadou Sow of the King James Gospel. (sighs) Guys, (laughs) what a season. Obviously, there's no more Cavalier basketball that we can talk about in regards to playoffs, but... We have a lot to look forward to. But before we get to the positives, I'm going to go ahead and start off on a negative. So I'm sure you've both seen how much Colin Sexton has been put in and out of trade rumors. Just left and right. I just I don't get it. But if you have to entertain a Colin Sexton trade, which more than likely is going to have a lot to do with the draft and whoever Cleveland is able to select. What is a good return? What would you be, what would you feel comfortable with trading Colin Sexton for if you absolutely had to?
0: Right. So I've had a lot of thought about, you know, what a potential Colin Sexton package would be. And I believe if you're looking at the draft, I think, honestly, it must be a top four, probably even top three pick person for me. I just believe what he brings to Cleveland off the court at the release is pretty much untouchable. And on the court, we see him as an efficient scorer, um, an improving playmaker. The kid's only in his third year going on to his fourth. I feel like if you look to move on from him, it has to be for a top three to four pick. Would you want a player back in that package? Um, well, adding players gets really interesting because you have to kind of max, excuse me, match contracts. And, you know, if you potentially do like a sign and trade type of thing, it would just have to be who's out there and who's available. And for young guys who are looking to just get an extension, I don't, I don't really see players who are out there that we can really trade for. So I feel like if the Cavs look to make that move, it would have to be for a pick in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that uh, being the case. I guess my only concern in that regard is: does Cleveland, you know, what depending upon how the lottery shakes out, do they if they don't luck into getting Cade Cunningham, which you know I'm we it's universally known that's who Cleveland would select at number one, but obviously that's more unlikely than than where we're probably going to finish at. So if Cleveland ends up not getting that number one pick, do they go guard again? Do you get somebody like a Jalen green? Do you go after, you know, a guard in this draft? If you're getting that, if you're getting a top three, four pick,
0: I feel like it has to be Jalen green. Yes. Um, Aside from him. I don't think you go guard. I don't, I don't see where Jalen Suggs would fit with, with Jalen green. I feel like he at least has the potential to play, you know, small forward at some point in his career. And the fit could be, you know, kind of awkward to start with him as well as Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. But I think they can definitely figure it out. You know, I've talked about him much. This is a guy who has an extremely quick first step. He His scoring potential is through the roof. I, I just don't get how you can stop a trio of Green, Sexton and Garland. That That's that's crazy. So I feel like if you're going guard, he's probably the only one that you take. And aside from that, that's when you start to look at other options, like maybe Kuminga. Um, If you're further down, maybe a Scotty Barnes. Uh, Moses Moody's a guy who I really like as well. But for guards' sake, if it's not Kate, it has to be Green.
1: Yeah, I could definitely go with that. I had Justin on of Cap Central Podcast. He kind of outlined the same line of thought, is that you roll out a three-guard lineup to start next season if they go that route, and if it isn't working out, you'd bump, you'd kind of bump Sexton to the bench. Um, I guess for me, I just don't know. Cause these guys are human. They see all this stuff. I'm sure Colin does. Certainly. How does he take that? Is he taking in stride if they're like, you know, cause we know what his upside can potentially be. We don't know what the best role is for him quite yet, or at least in, in my, you know, in my opinion, I'm not quite sold on him. His his best fit being you know instant offense off the bench. I know a lot of people do see it that way, but you think Sexton takes that well if he has to be moved to the bench? Uh,
2: yeah, I don't. I don't think he would exactly be uh, loving that, especially if he were to be extended this off season. Uh, well, not this off season, but it, it was basically, in principle. But um, yeah, I. I, I it's it's hard given the production that he's had to um foresee that. Uh, to me, I'd rather have uh Green be brought along off the bench to begin the year. Um and if he's just too like if he just has to be uh moved into the three, he has to do that and you just kinda have to roll with it and bank on that um those three guys given Green's scoring polish. Um, are just too difficult to defend and you, you kind of make it work and manipulate lineups along the way. Um, but I, I don't think Colin would exactly take that well no and um, it's it, what we again have to see um, and if they did it I, I I'd get it as the season progresses, but I just I feel like behind the scenes that could create some kind of internal strife. Yeah, and so
1: I'm going to throw the question right back at you, as I did for Amadou. What is a good trade return if you do end up having to trade Sexton? What would you feel comfortable with?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of along the lines of Amadou as well. Um, but I, to me, I, I, I've i kind of just floated this around potentially, um, given that the Magic were uh, rumored to have basically like been interested in trading Terrence Ross. They didn't. Um but given that the that he's kind of a an established like kind of like bench bucket guy, um can has viability on and off the ball. Um, I could maybe see like a deal being uh it have to be after I mean, the stipulation is Colin is a um team option next year, but uh it would be uh basically like Terrence Ross in the 2022 first rounder via Chicago um, for basically touring prints, touring prints and, in Sexton um, that's maybe one is, is just kind of like a potential idea is kind of like a ground um, framework of a deal. Um, that could be kind of it's something that I, if you're like so anti, if maybe like the Cavs end up making a GM move, they're not exactly comfortable with Sexton, maybe that, if that's something offered, maybe that's something they look to. Um, But I I, I'm with Amadou. It'd take a lot to me. Like I I wouldn't accept that, but um, (laughs) I, I I guess if that's like, I just, I don't know around the league, what Sexton's value is viewed as Um, like that's I'm kind of with Amadou and it, it takes like a top three type. Um, It'd have to be one of the big three Um, to me for that to be considered.
1: Okay. That leads me into my next question for the both of you. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we, as a fan base are pretty split. It at yeah. least seems that way on Twitter In what Sexton's actual value is uh, in terms of an extension. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go to you first, Dan is Sexton a max
2: level player at this point? Well, I think that I just think with the trajectory he's had, um, the continued strides he's made, um, year to year, I think given all the, um, I look at it as maybe he's not like what we, when you Google max player, that's what you think of. But with the Cavs inability to get like, really be a free agent player, um, and, while this is a really good draft, I think it's very deep as well. Um, the Cavs could get their franchise guy. I'm not saying Colin really is like a one guy. I don't know if he's ne- necessarily like the alpha, um, like long term. But I just think with what he brings from a durability standpoint, to me that I always go to like that's a very underrated thing with players. Um, that matters. I understand this year was a condensed year. There were he, he had missed 13 games, but by and large has been very durable. Um, his passing strides really make, or uh, I'm, again, he's not a Garland passer, but he's made noticeable strides there. And defensively, he's, there's traits that can be built uh, upon where he can be, um, I'm not going to say he could be like a plus defender necessarily, but he's a much further, like there's much more you can work with to me than there is with Garland on that end of the floor his effort level um, and seems there. I just think he needs some proof. Yeah, I just think def- like team defense is still an issue with him. I think that that his like lack of taking of angles off the ball kind of puts him in a bind at times. But I think those are things you can build on. And I just think from a culture like setter guy like a tone setter game to game, uh, if they gave him that, I wouldn't be, I really wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah. How about you, Amadou?
0: Um, I definitely agree with what Dan said. I wouldn't be opposed to it. The term just max player is personally, it's a term I leave for for the, the upper echelon of players in the league. Obviously, you know, other guys get those contracts, so we have to you know take that into consideration. Adding some context for one. We talk about where else, you know, would the Cavs be playing, uh, paying, excuse me. The Cavs aren't a big market team, you know. They're not a free agency destination, so it's not like the money's going somewhere else.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that ship is come and sailed with LeBron. Yes,
0: definitely. And two, like Dan said, the durability, I feel like, adds to the value of Sexton as a player. You know, he's a guy who you can relatively count on every single game. And I feel like, you know, adding all those together... I do believe that he's, you know, a, a max player. Now he might not be on at the same tier yet as those um, players around him in the age group that have gotten max contracts, such as Day Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, but I still believe that he deserves, maybe not their type of contract, but a contract around, you know, 27 to 30 million a year for five years. I, I feel like it's is acceptable for Sexton.
1: Yeah. I'm with him on that yes. too. I completely concur with the both of you. I think obviously with Cleveland lacking the, uh, the the big market status of a lot mm-hmm. of their competitors in regards to free agency really plays a determining factor on, you know, who is deserving of quote unquote max level contracts. The same could be said for a guy like Jared Allen, uh, you know, that, that pushes us into the next topic with him. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of concerns in regards to how developed he is or how not developed he is on the offensive side of things. But what would be a good starting point in returns of contract negotiations for him? What would you feel comfortable handing them out Dan?
2: Well, I just think what's been rumored is um- between, like in that twenty million range um fedor previously reported that it basically he was hearing that I think it was like a five year deal for a hundred million so in that twenty million range um I, I would I would start it where I'd like to start it. 18 million, but if they ended up getting in that 22 a year range, I, I that's um, for a four year deal. I, I could, I, I just think with Allen, there there's been uh, there's been floor spacing flashes. I'm not going to say he is one. He's definitely not, but I think there's something to build on there. Um, I think his, uh, for the most part, I mean, I think his his motor at the end of the season, I think uh, Justin has kind of hit on it without Darius Garland in there it was not he wasn't nearly as effective um, as kind of that like in that dunker spot role. But um, I think he's a really good screener. Uh, I think defensively his it. I mean, definitely is a like the Cavs just really have not had actual viable rim protection for years and I think that's hard to gloss over. Um and I think he he's a really good finisher and that's something to build on. He has, he's kind of has, has those push shots. He's make he has some hook abilities with both hands. Um there's definitely things to build on with him and I think you went out and traded for him and again it it wasn't basically a pick that would I'm do as even said it would be likely be in the mid 20s or whatnot. Yeah, um, but you did go out and get him, and I think if you just didn't bring him back, what what that could honestly set you back, and it also creates kind of a hole.
1: Yeah, Amadou, does Isaiah Hartenstein's contract situation factor into this at all?
0: Um, I don't think so because I don't think you know Isaiah Hartenstein's contract will be that big. Frankly, I know he had a great you know second half of the season with us um, as a backup center, but I believe that we'll still be able to get him for maybe half of the MLE, just maybe just a tad bit more to, to be that backup center for us. So I do not think that that um, attaches to Allen's extension, but just talking on Allen really quickly, me, me and Dan have gone kind of back and forth on this topic. Personally, I feel like the 20 million, probably 22 million is the highest I would go just because, you know, like has been said on Twitter and such his offensive limitations for the amount of money, like 20, 20 million that's been reported. I don't know. And I'm looking at the top centers, the contracts that those guys are getting. Most of these guys are, you know, offensive masterminds or defensive masterminds at that. And Alan, you know, he's, he's progressing of course, offensively, but he obviously is not on the level of a guy like a Carl Anthony Towns or Joel Embiid. Um, but then again, Dan makes the great case of having that continuity. You want to, first off, there's no, option there. If you let Allen walk, you know, we have to scramble to find a replacement for him at that. And second, you want to have some, you know, continuity. You can't just continue to bring in players and let players leave and stuff like that. You want to establish a base, a core and Allen's been part of that core four. So if it takes, you know, that $20 million or five years to bring him back, I'm all for it.
1: So in the off chance then that uh, an offer sheet is, re- is received, that's in that 23 to 24 million, $24 million range, which I'm almost certainly uh believe is not going to happen. If it does, do you let him walk?
2: Um I wouldn't. Um I don't know. It it I just think with the uh given that it creates a hole, I, I don't know what kind of like the alternative would be. He is only 23 years old. Um is the impact defender and they don't, the Cavs need to keep the, they need to keep acquiring those. Um, and I just think he fits really well with, with the two guards. Um, I think yeah, even with a I mean, there was their chemistry kind of like with a making. Um, I, I think they kind of matched a little bit better as the season progressed as well. Uh, I, I just think it's a young core piece that you can have. on. Um, um, I don't. I, I can't really necessarily say like an upward trajectory, but I think there's definitely plenty of untapped potential there. Um, and like for me, like I almost kind of creates a where you have to like go out and draft one, and and or maybe like it forces you to almost trade down to be able to get another guy that can be like more of an offensive player. Um, and I, I wouldn't want the Cavs to really like have to draft like a like, if you don't get, like, a top two or three pick. Um, if it's not Mobley, there's just not a whole lot there where it's, like, you can actually play, like, a ton of minutes. I mean, like, I like Usman Garuba. I like um, uh, um who's more of a four, though. But yeah, uh, there's, like, I, I don't, I, personally, I'm not high on Kai Jones um, for the Cavs, specifically. Like, to me, he's almost more of, like, a... Almost like jumbo wing. Honestly, at the NBA level, like he, he needs to really progress in terms of his build, like in terms of strength. Like I, I don't think I think it's a while before he's an impact player in the league, um, especially in the situation with the Cavs. If Allen isn't there, like to me, he has to play with a five at minimum on the floor with him. And I, I would rather them just uh, to me like Allen has to like you got to have him part of your core at this point.
1: Yeah, continuity is definitely going to be something that plays a huge factor on how much this team is able to progress next season. And uh, I guess that kind of leads me to my next question for both of you. In terms of players who progressed the most this season and players who disappointed you the most this season, if you had to name those two, who
0: would it be, Amadou? Uh, For a player that progressed, I think it clearly has to be Darius Garland. I mean, to talk about a guy who last season was looking like kind of a castaway with Kevin Porter Jr. coming on and really taking off to now being a legitimate point guard of the future for us and there's arguments that be made that maybe he's the better fit for the team rather than common sex. And at this point, you know, last season, I, I don't think those talks were ever going to be had, but just how he's able to regress playmaking wise, scoring, balancing the two, his aggression has been great. Um, as regards to someone who regressed, I think it's, it's, it has to be J.D. Osman. It's just a guy who, you know, <laughs> last season was looking at, yeah, he's looking like a, le- a legitimate role player who's always had those, you know, consistency issues and such, but they haven't flashed as much as they flashed this year. I mean, coming into the season when it was said that he was coming off that bench roll, I thought that was the perfect role for him, honestly, being that that six man type can come in and add that spark when we needed it. He does have those slight you know playmaking abilities that was a good plus. but
1: it point, just jetty. Hasn't
0: been any. <laughs> point jetty he, yeah. it, just, it just hasn't been anything like that, though. I mean, his efficiencies this year were. God awful. I mean, it's, it, it was, it was bad. It was bad. I mean, and, and that's another guy who's now looking like a castle. We saw him, um, I think it was five straight DMPs in that, you know, sort of mid season and because of injuries he had to play and such. And he had, you know, he had a fairly decent end to the season, but I, I think, you know, for regression, it has to be Jetty Osmond. How about you, Dan?
1: Um, Did you say two guys? Was that no, I just two guys. Uh, just one for who, okay. who you thought progressed oh, okay. the most this season, one who disappointed you the most this season.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess I have to echo what Amadou said. I was just going to say, is another guy that um, I guess uh, just as like one other positive to me, I guess just to be different. Um, Amadou has said this a number of times as well. Um, Dean Wade honestly impressed me this year. Um, I thought what he was able to provide um almost be like a Kevin Love light. Um the other disappointing guy to me was Kevin Love for sure. And it wasn't just because of the injury stuff. I thought he was frankly awful. Um but I'm not going to go into that. But with D Wade, I just think his his defense really actually is kind of almost flew under the radar a little bit. Definitely. I remember Cavs Twitter was tweeting about that too. I'm not going to knock that. Um but I just think his ability or flashes of actually well, more than flashes, actually abilities to shoot off movement um, really kind of stuck out to me also with that. Um, and I, I just think the way he was able to actually contain uh, guys and really not like I, there were not many times I can remember off the top of my head where he got beat actually off the bounce, like into the basket.
1: Yeah, it was a huge um, reason why he was able to suit up at that small mm-hmm.
2: forward spot. Right, and I, I just think what he what he showed was really. Uh, I, I'm very bullish on him going forward.
1: Okay, so I guess that leads me to the question: heading into next season, if they if they end up going the guard route, and you know you still have Kevin Love on the roster, do you consider starting Wade over Love?
2: Uh, is this for me, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely consider it. Um. I. I'm gonna do this. Said this a number of times. Given the kind of almost like under the radar, like injury concerns of Larry Nance, like in starting minutes. Um. I, I don't. I can't say that. I. I wouldn't start Wade myself. Um. I'd just rather him be able to come off the bench and provide energy, um. But still, honestly, get his share of minutes. Like honestly if he plays 22 to 23 minutes, that's more than fine. If he has not rolling, you keep playing him. Um, But I, I think the key this off season, regardless of if they come to like a something down the road, they have to have a, a real talk with Kevin love. I don't know if they have, but he, I would start at the start of next season, but he can't be playing more than like 25 minutes in a game because he physically can't do it. So that's what I would say. Just, Because he is out there, I mean, just to help the guys initially um, space the floor, and it it allows Wade to have more run against uh, backup guys.
1: Yeah, how about you, Amadou? Is there a case to be made for Wade as the starter?
2: To
0: start the season, I I don't think that Wade would start. Um, Dan just made the great point of, I believe having Wade come off the bench and playing, you know, majority of his minutes against bench players would be great for him. I would like the Cavs to continue what they're doing right now, having – uh, Kevin Love be that starter, but not play, you know, many minutes. Like like Dan said, 25 minutes is good for me. And um, if Kevin Love is to, you know, administer some DMPs for for injury management and such, that's when you can see Wade, you know, possibly get those starts in those specific situations. But we've seen Wade play, you know, multiple positions. We've seen at the five, at the four, at the three. So I feel like off the bench, that could be good. Him and Larry Nance could have a nice duo off the bench. Um, but I, I just don't know if you if you have Kevin Love coming off the bench, knowing he's making 30 mil at that. And just because of so much that he provides for the young guards with the spacing ability, being that tertiary playmaker and such, I think you keep him as a starter.
1: Yeah. I think that there's more positive, honestly, at this point than than Mm -hmm. negative in regards to what he can offer, at least offensively, which is sad to say, I mean, when you're having these types of conversations about a player (laughs) who was once thought of as one of the top power forwards in the game, that 's just sad, yeah. man. Uh, but moving on, this team has an abundance, or at least it would seem like of forwards, especially heading into next season, uh, one mm-hmm. in partic- uh, particular particular uh, Fian yeah. I liked what I saw out of him down the stretch, obviously you know with the the increased opportunities that he had due to all the injuries. Uh, where does he factor in in terms of uh roles next season? Do you think he will
0: actually be able to crack into the rotation? Uh, Amadou? Uh, I don't believe so, honestly. I feel like you probably want to play him as a five as opposed to more of a four. But with with Jared Allen and Isaiah Harnstein more than likely coming back, I, I don't see the minister at the five. And even at the power four position, we, you know, we have guys like Dean Wade, Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Um, it's going to be tough for him to get minutes. I truly see him as a G League candidate, a two-way guy. Um, There's also, you know, Lamar Stevens, too, who we weren't really able to see much of, you know, towards the end of the season because of his concussion. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I I don't really see much minutes for Galley next season.
2: How about you, Dan? Yeah, I'm completely with him. Uh, Like, to me, the – given – stick him around for training camp. But I, I think he's he'd be a good G League candidate because mm-hmm. um or two way candidate just because there will actually be like a like notable G League run this next season, it seems. Um I think that's that would be meaningful for him. That and played that that'd be fine. I'd get it. Um but uh, yeah, and let's not forget Anderson Mirrod on the next too.
1: do <laughs> Don't get me started on that. I know Damn. you're only kidding, but I will ask this question because I've been – maybe it's just the nostalgia that's hitting me, but obviously the guy cannot move at all at this point in time. What I think he's 38, 39, yeah. something along those lines. Do you consider if if Verichael wants to try and come back, do you give him an offseason to try and get in shape?
2: Yeah, no, I, 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 I wouldn't, but I, I really do. I, I hope that they do have him kind of in some capacity back because I think he really could be um, like a solid like scout type presence. Um, I, like I think an international that, scout? Yeah, like an international scout, something in that, in that realm. Um, I, I think he has, I mean, he, you can tell he does have a really good basketball IQ. Uh, and I think it'd be meaningful to have him in the building, though.
1: <laughs> yeah I agree. I know I just kind of threw that at you, but uh no, I, think,
2: it, it, I i think I know where you're coming from
1: uh, uh it was definitely good to see him, you know it was obviously the most unexpected move probably of the Cavs' season. I don't think anybody saw that coming, and I, we all know it was for you know yeah. uh, it, it was a it was a fan type thing, but it was still cool to see, especially considering the way that he left. You know, the way that he was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, traded from the team and whatnot. It was obviously in, in Cleveland's benefit to do so. But for an all-time, you know, Cavs player, it was definitely sad to see him go. I'm glad they brought him back. But obviously, the guy's heading towards retirement. Uh, guys who, speaking towards guys who aren't heading towards retirement, Matthew Vadova. Is he gone? Sure do
0: you be sure he hasn't had it for retirement?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his play might suggest so. Um, I, I don't know, <laughs> man. I, I'm i bullish on this. Uh, Deli is a, is a personal favorite, but his play on the court leaves mm-hmm. a lot to be desired. Uh, do you bring him back, at least on a minimum deal, if you can't get a, a, a notable veteran at the point –
0: I believe so. Cause at the very least I've talked about this with them many times. I think him being that Udonis Haslam type of role where um, he's just a great, you know, locker room presence and just, just an off the court type of an extra coach at that. Like uh, Darius Garland has talked about having Matthew Della Dova by his side, uh, being able to, you know, coach him towards some things in games. It's been great. I feel like in that type of role, yes. And we really do still need a backup point guard. I just don't see him as that, but. <laughs> what we've seen this season, I'm, I'm trying what we've seen this season is he can still play just a little bit. So, you know, if the going gets tough, players get injured, at least we still have him there, you know, in, in probably dire situations to to fill certain voids.
1: I'm sure the injury played, you know, the, the, the various injuries played a role in his play this season, mm-hmm. having to kind of get back in shape on the court and get back into the mentality and whatnot. So, I who knows? Maybe we'll see if they do end up bringing him back. Maybe we see a slightly better version of Deleva Um, I just – I don't know, man. I think – in in regards to the Udonis-Haslam world, that that still takes a roster spot, right? Yeah, so definitely, definitely. I, I don't know. Do you like talk him into coming back as a coach (laughs) or, uh, you know, some type of the scout himself, you know, give him, uh, you know, he's from, he's an Aussie. See if he might want be interested in becoming an international (laughs) scout. I don't know, but he still would take up a roster spot. Worst case scenario, if you can't bring in, you know, veteran help or if they don't end up drafting a guard and I think you really don't have too much other choice, but to at least entertain the thought of it. But, man, it's – offensively, it's ugly basketball. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, definitely. It is bad. Um, before we close out today's show, I just want to ask the both of you, because me, I, I'm of this line of thought. I think if this team had been healthy to start the season and we didn't have to deal with, deal with nearly as many injuries as we did, it's this was this a playoff caliber team? At least the playing.
0: I want to hear Dan's take on this first.
1: Yeah, what, what, what do you have to say on this, Mr. Dan Glinsky? What what is is this a playoff caliber team? Because so many different conflicting uh, uh, ideas to this.
2: Um. Yeah, it's it's tough for me to say that. Um, just because there were teams in the East that honestly, like the East was better. I I think is better than people think. I think in terms of talent, uh, considering like, for example, the Hornets were really, I mean, they were flying high and then Lamelo got injured and also Gordon Hayward, if Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt to me, that's a probably like five seed. Um, they were playing so well offensively and that's just one example. Like Toronto, uh, I guess we'll disregard them, but like the Pacers I thought really underperformed this year. Uh, given that they're given their offensive talent level, um, just were they had problems in the clutch. Uh, defensively were train wrecks. And this whole Nate Bjorker and stuff, we're not gonna get into that, but the Wizards took forever to get going. Um, I, I just think there were too many teams that really honestly kind of underperformed for a good while. And even Chicago, like I don't know. They're going to have to figure out how they can actually get Mark in, in, there and in rhythm. Um, the Celtics being a 17, I didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. I just didn't. Um, and even Milwaukee or, or I'm sorry, Miami didn't have Jimmy Butler for like a 12 or 13 game span due to COVID protocols. So I just thought there was, even if the Cavs were healthier, there were just too much, there was too much, uh, talent in front of them and I, I just think offensively there was just so many glaring uh, shooting inconsistencies and um, given the burden Sexland had throughout the year uh, I, I just I didn't see them really being a real like legit playing contender um, even with the injuries like I really like they saw from Hartenstein but I just think the bench was just very uh very up and down.
1: <laughs> Amadou, don't disappoint me, man. Come on, tell me, tell me some good news. Is this a play was this a playoff caliber team?
0: I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna have to go <laughs> down on this one. I just think, like he said, the bench play was just extremely up and down. We just had so many inconsistencies outside of uh the sex lane duo. Kevin Darn was absolutely oh, he was so yeah, frustrating, so extremely but, frustrating. disappointed. Well, he was clanking there. How the hell
1: did he close out the season the way he did? Though, I mean, oh I'm just, my god, I don't know, man. I'm not even sure, but
0: <laughs> inconsistency with guys like Chetty Osmond, Torian Prince was on and off at times. Obviously, the injury played a part in his you know poor play at times, but still, um, Matthew Dellavedova, we know, is not the offensive player that maybe he once was. Um, it was tough. It was extremely tough, especially with the young team. They're going to go through some growing pains and such. I just, I just didn't think that they were a real playoff contender.
1: <laughs> That's understandable. I, I, think my, I'm trying to have a positive, like a positive spin to it. But yeah, uh, in in actuality, in reality, I think uh, most fans would agree that this team is probably at least. Uh, you know, heading into next season, who knows what could happen? But we may be another year away from actually contending for a playoff spot, especially with the the seemingly rise uh, of the Eastern Conference. You know, you got teams like uh, the Knicks who just exploded out of nowhere this season with mm-hmm. Julius Randle, and that's a story in its own right. And you know, I'm, we're, we're, I'm sure we're all excited about you know having the Knicks back in the playoffs, and you know, also they're although they're most likely guaranteed to have an exit, you know, before the finals, it's still good to see the Knicks doing well. And then, you know, you got, like you mentioned, Indiana, who look like they regressed this season, Washington, who had they been completely healthy themselves, probably would have been a higher seed. There's, there's just a lot of competition in the Eastern conference. Uh, I don't, I don't know why it gets so much flack. Obviously we know, you know, the talent out West, especially mm-hmm. you know since with lebron moving in in recent years and the 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 flux of players that have gone over uh but this team man I, I i'm i'm looking at it and and i see a lot of potential and i would not be surprised if they made the playoffs next season or at least the the playing game if it's here to stay
2: uh yeah i think next season they're definitely in that seven to ten mix i like I'm not going to say I'm really confident, but I think it's a good chance because I think this this draft they're going to get a guy that um, is, a tr- a is a real. I don't know. I, I even see. I don't know about cornerstone, but even a guy like Scotty Barnes to me impacts games and and a ton of ways. Like even as Amadou hit on, like Moses Moody, like there are guys that really are like they have tailor made traits where they're real contributors. And even a guy like James Booknight, I, I'm personally very high on. If if they were to fall to say seven, for example, uh, I, I think that's a guy that can just come in there and just get and just get twenty for you on a number of nights, like fair not like not gonna say often, but um they're just guys with very like you see what they're gonna be. Whereas this past draft, that wasn't the case with where they were picking.
1: Oh, no, sorry. They definitely Kobe, man. That's a whole nother conversation. We'll save that for another episode. (laughs) But I think Kobe made the best of what, you know, what he had at his disposal at that five, uh, at at that five spot. But uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I lied. One last question for both of you. This team hits the lottery and they draft Cade Cunningham.
0: Are they a lock for the playoffs? I believe so. Yes, you have Cade with Sexton and Garland. Kevin Love will hopefully be healthy. Acorn and Allen continue to make you know improvements. And the thought is, at the very least, that they will try to add more pieces off the bench. I think they are definitely locked to make the playoffs next season.
1: <laughs> what about you, Dan? Kate Cunningham changed everything for this for this franchise.
2: Oh yeah, he's yeah, no doubt about it. Um just affects games in so many ways and I think his shot creation really um is huge as well I think that, that's almost like underrated with him mm-hmm. um and I I think his uh just multi-positional um is big and also, like maybe you get a guy like Ish Smith in free agency when he sees a guy like that come to Dude. come to Cleveland. I think it's kind of like a backup one, maybe.
1: Yeah, uh, Ish Smith, man, he might be right up there in terms of fastest players in the NBA. Uh, he's jitterbugging game? everywhere. <laughs> Watching him in in, uh, in, in the playing games was definitely something of you know scouting for hopefully yeah. maybe. Uh, I believe he's a unrestricted free agent. Uh, so we'll have to see what they do in that regard. But thank you both for coming on. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, if you want to reach out, uh, you can on Twitter at it's cavalier underscore pod. Um, generally receptive, very responsive. now, if you want to just talk about anything you heard about on the show, if you had any inquiry, anything like that, re- please reach out. Also, please. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It definitely helps in terms of content, especially heading into the offseason. That's going to do it. Thanks.